the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. If you want to keep from being down, or if you're down and you want to come out of it, let me tell you as graciously as I can, as biblically as I can, Love others. Stop thinking about yourself. Get involved in ministry to, to others. In the words of Philippians chapter 2, stop thinking only about yourself, but start thinking about others, esteeming others, Paul said, as more important than yourself. Today's message is pretty clear. Stop thinking about yourself. Call it tough love if you want, but a lot of our problems find their root in self-centeredness and find their cure in starting to think about others. It's not really going to help to win the argument, to prove that you are right, and to put the other person down. That's just going to stir up more conflict. It takes a lot more courage to love the other person and try to see things through his or her eyes. It seems to me that most of our problems don't get settled because of selfishness and pride. This is the last message in the series called God Who Comforts the Depressed. We've been looking at the book of 2 Corinthians. There was a conflict in the Corinthian church that had caused a division between people and even between the Apostle Paul and the people of the church. Some people were hurt, some were sad, some were offended, some were mad, some were just apathetic. There was an emotional whirlpool going on that had created a very volatile situation. We have seen how we should have the goal of restoring broken relationships and responding correctly to repentant believers. You are listening to Verse by Verse Radio. This is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel of Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our Bible teacher. We are all very excited to be able to bring you the teaching from God's Word. That's our goal. We want to share the uncompromising truth of God's Word in language you can understand. We're thankful that you are listening to today's broadcast. This series is available to order. Just give us a call at 727-239-0306. Then you can share it with a friend who may need to hear this teaching. Once again, thanks for being a part of our radio ministry. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's message. Now, I realize that this is a very awkward way of putting it in our English language, but let me try to explain as simply as I can what the, the heart of what he's saying. Paul was a grieving pastor to a sinning church. And he wrote this letter in order to snap the Corinthians out of their, their sins in hopes that, that this letter would help them to see how much they really loved him, how much they really needed to obey him. And, and he didn't do this in a selfish, vainglory way. I really need this to stroke my ego. Because notice he says, in the sight of God, meaning that this is out of obedience to God. As God sees you, I know that you really love me. Deep in your heart, I know you're devoted to me. I just want you to know that. I want you to be aware of that. And you know what? The Corinthians did become aware of it. They repented. 
That's the whole point. They actually, this letter accomplished what Paul wanted it to accomplish. They repented and they recognized that Paul was their apostle and they did love him. And that's why they mourned for him and they longed for him and they wanted to have fellowship with them, uh, with him. And that's why Paul says he was so comforted by this. Verse 13, for this reason, we have been comforted. What reason? The, the, the response of their repentance that they recognize, what what are we doing here? Why would we rebel against Paul? We love this man. We are devoted to him. We're loyal to him. And Paul said that that's why I wrote to you, and now I've come out of depression. I've come out of depression as a result of this. Now, how does this apply to us, this kind of awkward way of putting it? The broad principle, the general principle of what Paul is saying is that he what he wanted what was best for the Corinthians. Did you get that? What Paul wanted, and the reason he wrote the Corinthians, because he wanted what was best for them. And what was best for them? To realize that deep down inside, they really loved him and they were loyal to him as the vehicle of God's revelation to them. That's what was best. It wasn't that Paul had to have a whole church love him personally. It had nothing to do with uh, personal uh, interests. It had everything to do with what was best for the Corinthians. Now, let me tell you how this principle applies to our lives and how it will relate to bringing us out of depression. Most of the time, when we go through a conflict with someone else, our primary concern is ourselves. That's it. We want them to come around to our way of thinking. Remember the old Beatles song, Try to See It My Way? And we'll work it out. If we see it your way, we might be here a long time. And that's the way we are. We want them to come around to our way of thinking because we think we're right. And that's all there is to it. That's it. Why do we need to say any more? We tend to think about how right we are and how wrong they are. But you know what? Paul was a godly man. And I am appreciating more and more the depth of Paul's godliness as I study this letter. And I hope you're appreciating that. Paul had a different perspective. His motive in wanting the Corinthians to properly respond to him was not his pride in winning an argument. That's usually where we're at. We we dig our heels in and they're going to come around to us or else we're not going to resolve this. Paul wasn't like that at all. He didn't care about winning an argument. It was because he loved them so much that he wanted what was best for them spiritually to realize in this context their true relationship to him before God. That's what he wanted. You see, and here's a key truth to bring us out of being down, to lift you out of depression. It's this. Are you ready? Stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. People who are depressed, and I say this without reservation, I thought as I was saying this in the early service, should I tone this down a little bit? Should I be as dogmatic? No, I'm going to be dogmatic. People who are depressed are always consumed with themselves. Always. Always consumed with themselves. That's all they think about. Their needs, their desires, their feelings, their rights. In fact, there's an excellent example of this in Scripture of a well-known man. Remember the prophet Elijah. Elijah was the first of the great prophets who confronted Israel, and he lived in a day and age in which there was national apostasy. The the nation as a, as a whole, as a majority, turned against the Lord and went after the uh, false god uh, called Baal. And that was the days of Ahab and his wicked pagan wife Jezebel. 
And in 1 Kings, we're told about this. And Elijah was a bold man, a bold, courageous man who confronted the hundreds of, of the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He stood up to uh, Ahab, but there was one person he had a hard time standing up to, and that was Ahab's wife, Jezebel, the fury of a woman. And Jezebel said after she learned that all of her prophets had, had died at the hands of Elijah, she said, and I'm paraphrasing, when I get my hands on that little twerp, he's dead. And Elijah, you think the courageous man that he is, he fled. He ran from the wrath of a woman. And Elijah is in a state of depression. He's in a state of depression. You can read about it in 1 Kings 19. But we know this because he's only thinking about himself. And he begins to have a pity party. And he says such things to the Lord as this. I am the only one left, Lord. I'm the only one zealous for the Lord God of Israel. And God said to him, Elijah, you're 7,000 people off. You're so far off. You don't know what you're talking about. I have 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000. Then Elijah, a little bit later, says, I'm no better than my father's. You know, sort of, I, Lord, once again, it's this pity party, this, this self-absorption. I'm, I'm no better than my father's. Who said he had to compare himself with his father's? Who asked him to do that? And you know that Elijah's not thinking clearly, and I'll tell you why, because he tells God, he says, take my life. Now, if Elijah really wanted his life to be taken, there's a woman named Jezebel who would be happy to accommodate him. So the man is depressed. He's not thinking right. He's self-absorbed. That's, that's the state you get in when you are depressed. It's all about me. Paul, though, yes, momentarily, at a, for a time in his life, Paul was depressed. But that wasn't the general trend of his life. Paul didn't stay depressed because his ultimate goal, and he realized this, when he was thinking clearly, his ultimate goal was to help the Corinthians see the truth about their relationship with God and to repent of their sin. If you want to keep from being down, or if you're down and you want to come out of it, let me tell you as graciously as I can and as biblically as I can, love others. Stop thinking about yourself. Get involved in ministry to, to others. In the words of Philippians chapter 2, stop thinking only about yourself, but start thinking about others, esteeming others, Paul said, as more important than yourself. In fact, remember James chapter 1 talks about uh, trials and tests of our faith, and James says to rejoice, and he even speaks about, about the possibility of dying for our faith in Christ. And at the end of James chapter 1, it's very curious. He says, true religion is to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction. You think, what does that have to do with trials? It has everything. When you're going through a trial, James tells us, stop thinking about yourself. Minister to those who are most needy. And in that day and age, widows and orphans would have been the most needy of people. That's what you have to do. If you're down, stop thinking about only yourself. It is a discipline of your mind, but it stems from the love of God or the love that God has put in your heart for others. And I've I, I told you this before, but it's, I think it's worth repeating. I hope it's worth repeating. I've told you about a friend of mine who had a daughter who once uh, came to see me and she told me, she said, you know what, Steve, my problem, as she poured out her heart to me, she said, my problem is that I don't love myself enough. And you know what? I am the wrong person to tell that to. And uh, I know she was looking for sympathy. I know she was looking for me to build her ego and self-esteem up. And I said, honey, 
let me tell you, your problem is that you love yourself too much. That's not what she wanted to hear. Uh, she quickly kind of moved away from me as we were sitting in a, in a place. And, uh, but I really believe that. And she, like many other, other people who are down, are just consumed with themselves. They, you know what? You don't have to pray and ask God that, to help you to love yourself. The Bible says that you do love yourself. We need to ask God to help us to love others. Our problem is we, we are so in love with ourselves, we've made idols of ourselves. We are the most important, it's just number one, that's it. That will lead you to depression because what will happen is it leads to a self-absorption, which leads then to being introspective, which leads to depression. And, and I'll tell you, one of the modern techniques of psychology, at least in some circles, is to look deep within your heart. You know what? I don't want to look deep within my heart. I'd see a lot of sin in my heart. I don't want to look. Let's look into your past. That is depressing for anybody. <laughs> Let's go deep down into that. Well, you know, yeah, we can learn from our past, but I don't want to dwell on that. Paul said, putting those things behind. I press forward. We're, we're moving on. I'm not in the past. I'll learn from it, but I don't want to be introspective. That will lead to depression. Paul, though, was an individual who was not stuck on himself. He was constantly thinking of others. And by the way, that was the pattern of Paul's life. In almost every New Testament letter, Galatians being an exception, because he had to deal with, with serious error there, but in almost every other, in fact, in every other letter, Paul starts off by saying something like, I thank God for you, I remember you in my prayers, I'm praying for you. Paul wasn't stuck on himself, always thinking about others first. And watch this, because he loved the Corinthians, he demonstrated love. Love is not just saying, I have good feelings about you. That's not what love is about. Part of the evidence of love is that you think what is best for the other person. You not only want to do what's best for them, but you think the best thoughts about them. That is found in 1 Corinthians thirteen seven. You don't need to turn there, but Paul said, love believes all things. So if somebody comes to you and says, did you hear this and this about so-and-so? Your first inclination, unless there is compelling evidence otherwise, to say, no, I don't believe that. No, I, I do not believe that about this person unless it's proven to me. You don't, you don't say, I knew it. I knew that guy was so horrible. I just knew. That would demonstrate you don't have love for that person. Love believes the best. And Paul, in verses 13 through 16, is going to demonstrate what he thought about the Corinthians. Now, this is very surprising uh, from one standpoint because we read about the Corinthians and we have to say, boy, this was a cruddy church. Who'd ever want to pass through the Corinthians? Listen, Paul loved them with all their spiritual warts. He loved them. I'm going to read to you verses 13 through 16, and we're going to pull it together. We're not going to take that long in explaining it because you'll see the flow of this. He writes, having said, for this reason, we have been comforted. He said, and besides our comfort, we rejoiced even more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if anything I have boasted to him about you, I was not put to shame. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be the truth. His affection abounds all the more toward you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. Now, let me, uh, let me pull this together to give you the gist of what Paul is, is saying. It, it's, it's relatively easy to grasp. The main truth that runs through these verses is that Paul told Titus before Titus ever went to visit 
the Corinthians. He told Titus, you know what? This is a wonderful church. Titus, this is a great church. This is a church that I fully expect that they will cooperate with you and they will repent of their sin. Titus may have been a little nervous about this, and Paul may have very well been trying to calm his fears, and and he told them. In fact, he says in verse 14, I boasted to him about you. Paul bragged about this church. I can think of a lot of churches to brag about, but the Corinthians, Paul did. Paul loved them that much. Paul says in verse 13, he was comforted by the response of the Corinthians to his letter, but he rejoiced also because Titus was so encouraged. And why was Titus so encouraged? Because when he got there and he tried to minister to these people, these people received him warmly. They repented. They they were thrilled at his coming and, and everything was fine. He had bragged to Titus about this church. I imagine Paul said something like this, Titus, I was there when the church was born. I saw what these people were like. Wicked people living in immorality, drunkenness. I saw their lifestyle. And I'm telling you, Titus, something special happened. A church was born in the midst of the pagan city of of Corinth. And Titus, I, I spent time there. I saw their growth. I saw their service for Christ. I saw their sanctification. I saw lives transformed before me. I am confident that when you go to them and you tell them the issues and how I'm pained by all of this and, and what they've done, and they will repent. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. They received Titus. In fact, he says in verse 15, speaks of their obedience to the ministry of Titus. They had received him with fear and trembling. What does that mean? They had received Titus with a humble and a healthy respect for him as Paul's representative. He represented Paul. And as a result, Paul says in verse 16, he was now rejoicing and he had renewed confidence in the Corinthians. So that's the gist of it. How does it apply to us? What's the principle here? Paul loved these people and his love drove him to think the best of them. You and I may look at the Corinthians and say, what a rotten bunch of Christians and how dare they treat the great apostle Paul this way. But that's not how Paul looked at them. Paul loved them, and when you love someone, you think the best of them, not the worst of them. What does this have to do with depression and being down in conflicts with others? It's this. Paul was not a self-consumed individual. He loved the Corinthians enough to not let their sinful behavior destroy his very optimistic and positive perspective about God's work in their lives. And and really what it boils down to is that he trusted God who began a good work in their lives to continue it. It's not only a love for the Corinthians, it's a confidence in, in the power of God. If you have a conflict with another believer or a bunch of other believers, you can trust the Lord that he can bring about repentance and restoration. And you ought to love the people enough to think kindly of them and to not be consumed with your own point of view. Paul genuinely expected God to work in their lives. So if you want to be lifted out of depression or the next time you get down, you need to remember, stop thinking about yourself. Start loving others. Even those that you've had a conflict with, especially those you've had a conflict with, you trust God to work in their hearts and to bring them to repentance. You discipline your mind to shut off negative thoughts and you think positively about them. They're believers. I've seen growth in their life. I've seen sanctification. I've seen the demonstration of serving Christ. I have every confidence in them 
and really in the Lord that he'll work it out in their lives. Let's bow for prayer and think about this. What is our response to the word? The main truth that this entire passage, beginning at verse 5, teaches is that God is the one who encourages us when we're down. Nothing else and no one else can really encourage us like God can. And he does it by restoring our fellowship with others. Is there broken fellowship that you've had with others? Some estrangement. If you are responsible for it, you need to repent and go to them. If they're responsible for it, you need to pray that they'll come to you. You certainly need to point it out to them if they're not aware of it. But God does it. He restores it. And he does it by bringing people to repentance. Can you trust him to do that? Can you trust him to bring about repentance? I I know you can. And remember, there is joy in heaven when a sinner repents. There should be joy in our hearts as well. And he brings us up from the pits of, of being down by helping us to get our eyes off of ourselves. Are you consumed with yourself? That's your, your number one person that you think about is you. That is, then go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to change you, but also do something about it. Help him to, ask him to help you to discipline your mind, to think about other people and other things and not be caught up in the idolatry of me. Serve people. Get involved. Are you active in in this church? If this is your home church, are you active? Are you serving? Are you looking out for others? Are you esteeming others more important than yourself? This is the way of Christ. It's not the way of the world. It is the way of Christ. Get involved in ministry and trust God to work out obedience in the lives of others who have been estranged from you. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then Very simply, you need to obey him by repenting of your sin. You are a sinner. You deserve judgment in hell. All of us do. And in turning from your sin, turn to Christ to forgive you. He is the only Savior. There is only one way because he is the one who died to pay for the judgments and punishments of our sin. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. A passage, Lord, that um, for some reason often doesn't get preached in churches. But this is what you have for us. The eternal word of God tells us how you are the one who brings us out of depression. I pray, Lord, for each of us, for everyone listening to this, because I know if we're not down now about a conflict, we will someday help us to follow these truths. I pray that, that these truths will get lodged in our, in our very being so that when we go through something like this, we'll be able to pull this out and apply it to our lives. I pray for, for those who may not know Christ, that you, Lord, as the only one who can do this, will bring them to the point of repentance for salvation. And I pray, Father, for those of us who know you, may we be as right as we can with all others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are so many ways that God can turn your life around, even emotionally. If you're struggling with guilt, sadness, anger, bitterness, it will have an effect on the rest of your life. God wants to heal you emotionally and fix the problems that have hurt you and bruised or broken your relationships. This series has touched on so many important areas of our lives. This isn't just theory. 
It's truth in real life. You can take it to the bank. Now it's time for you to put it to the test. It isn't easy to fix what has been broken. There may be some pain involved, but the result will be worth it. Our next broadcast will start a whole new series from God's Word. Today's broadcast of Verse by Verse is available for download at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can find nearly all of our broadcasts posted there at no charge. Download as many as you like. While you're at the website, you can listen to other broadcasts or take advantage of other free resources. Think about signing up for the Verse by Verse newsletter. You can sign up online to receive it or just give us a call and request it by phone. The number to call is 727-239-0306. And once again, the web address is versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. Finally, we would like to thank those of you who are partnering together with Verse by Verse through your prayers and financial gifts. Most of our resources are available free of charge. Our goal is to provide biblical instruction and spiritual encouragement to as many people as we can. Partners like you let us do that. We really thank you for your help. That's all for today. For Pastor Steve and the staff, this is Jerry Pruden saying, tune in next time on Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by W262CP. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.